Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Nathan Cassiotis. I'm a business growth expert who help business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today, I have an awesome guest. He's an international published author, sales expert, and course creator who helps growth, mindset, and purpose-driven business owners to scale their business by increasing their sales, profits, and systems creating them more time to work on their business instead of in it. So they have a saleable asset of real value. And he combines nearly 30 years of commission-based selling, sales management, sales training, and business ownership across multiple industries, sectors, and markets. And through his connect, communicate, and convert strategy, he is changing the way business and sales is done, moving away from the industrial age of transactional selling to the new age of relationship selling. Welcome, welcome, Adam Bude, and thank you for being on my show. Thanks, Nathan. How are you, mate? That was a great introduction. I couldn't have written that better myself. <laughs> awesome, mate. And maybe it was written by you. Who knows? But I, I like to give it a lot of energy when I do it. So um, that probably will be a little bit different than maybe some of the other intros that you've got. But um, yeah, awesome to, for you to be here, mate. And I'm sure it's going to be a great uh, show for everyone uh, watching and listening today. So yeah, you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know uh, who you are, uh, please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, well, if I think back to my journey, I'll try and give you an abbreviated version of it. But essentially, I've had two decades of commission-only selling and sales training and sales management. And I've done that in multiple facets from face-to-face um, -face selling, consulting style, on-the-phone selling, on stage <laughs> um, and online. Um, in multiple industries um, and, and multiple verticals. And, and really what I learned is that it doesn't matter what you're selling, sales is sales. It's the only transferable skill that we have, okay? So, um, which was good. But it wasn't until I had my first um, six-figure commission month that I realized that everything I was doing was wrong. And the reason that I got into commission sales was because I wanted the opportunity and the ability to have uncapped um, earning. But time after time after time in most direct sales roles, what I found I was doing was selling my soul in order to make money. And at the end of the day, um, having a huge, like six figures land in your bank account in one month, um, it really opened my eyes as to how much product and service I sold to people that can't use it, uh, won't use it, and, and really don't want it. And it was all for my financial gain and the, and the organization that I was uh, partnering with at the time. So that was about five years ago. And that was when my values were really challenged. And I thought, no, things have to change. The way that we do business has to change. The way that we operate needs to change. And we need to move away from selling through KPI, which is the way every traditional business and salesperson works, to selling from service, which is what money is at the end of the day. Money is just a byproduct of service. The more service we provide, the more people we help, the more money we make. So if our focus is on service and not on KPI, then we're actually operating from a completely different place. And... Um, I think it's a much better way to uh, to do business anyway, because I don't know about you, Ethan, I hate being sold to. Yeah, I think everybody does. <laughs> That's why a lot of people don't like selling, because they don't like being sold to. Yeah. 
Definitely, mate. Um, love the story there. And um, yeah, I love these powerful realizations, um, you know, in people's stories where they go down different methods and like to see that you're changing the game because um, yeah, I think that's it's a great place to start, right? Because I think there's a lot of limiting beliefs or these bad, you know, areas, you know, it could be the, uh, I don't like to use this um, metaphor, but the sleazy car salesman that always, no offense to car salesman um, all out there, but, you know, it can happen, right? Where you feel like you're being sold to, like you just mentioned. So do you want to maybe talk about Maybe some of these limiting beliefs, because I, I know them, like, you know, that people tell me, but what you're hearing um, from your end about sales, which might stop them a little bit um, there and, and maybe some positive reframes around them as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Limiting beliefs from people that are doing the selling. Yeah, from doing the selling and, you know, what, what might hold them back, um, you know, in doing well at, at selling and what's a better way of looking at sales. Mm. I think the biggest, uh, the biggest, um if we're looking at limiting beliefs and we're looking at fear i suppose we could almost put them side by side uh the reason from my experience most people fail at sales is because they can't handle rejection they're afraid of that and the reason that they're afraid of that is because ultimately the human being only has three basic needs uh, we want to be loved we want to be appreciated and we want to be accepted so if any of those basic needs are challenged then it's going to absolutely uh have a direct impact on how we how we behave and how we show up and how we how we perform so a lot of people don't like that fear of rejection um and they have a limiting belief probably coming down more to self-worth um and that the that self-worth is being is being challenged when people say no what they don't get is that people aren't saying no to you as a person they're selling saying no to what it is you're trying to flog them um so if we can if we can make that distinction that um the limiting beliefs that you have is not about whether you can or you can't it's more about you know whether your your value systems are being being challenged the other limiting beliefs i see if i'm looking at it as a limiting belief uh people don't think they can sell um people don't think they should sell um and people don't want to sell um i'm not quite sure if don't want to is a limiting belief but the other two are, are two key factors that hold people back uh, what business owners must accept is that it doesn't matter what profession you're in you could be a lawyer an accountant a doctor a mechanic um, a plumber that's your profession but your career is actually sales and when i look at every business if we can't get the sales right then we don't have a profession to work in so we have to get good at the sales component. And really, from my perspective, um, when I understand this is a complete picture, um, I think it's, it's not a matter of how good can we get at sales. It's a matter of how better we can get with our communication because sales is an extension of who you are in the relationship selling world. It's not what you do. Yeah. Awesome, eh? I love that. Love those uh, different ways of looking at things um, there and um, help people to to get out of that um, area and, and help them to move forward. I completely agree. I think, you know, sales, um, I love the communication side, but I think sales yeah, is the most important skill, right, um, in business because without it, you know, we don't have a business. And I think it's changed a bit now as well, um, post-COVID, right? A lot of virtual stuff's happening. Um, you know, things are now changing and, and the way we just do selling, like you're mentioning, has changed. So, what can you share um, just generally now what you're seeing in the market about, you know, a, a better sales process, I guess. 
Um, well, firstly, most people don't know their stats to begin with. Uh, and I'll ask people, what's your conversion rates? And they'll spit out a number and I'll say, is that number something that you just made up or is that uh, an actual factual number that you can prove to me uh, on a report? <laughs> um, but generally speaking, it's, it's a number that's made up. Um, so people don't know their stats. Um, people have become uh, lazy. So what I see a lot of now in, in the world is that it's that whole instant gratification. So if we can't get it now, we don't worry about it. So if we're in business and we have that attitude as well, um, people don't follow up anymore. People don't call people anymore. People don't actually treat leads as people anymore. There's no respect for, for that side of things. So I think the process needs to come back to, and, and what I love about what COVID has done um, is COVID has stripped people apart, right? We all got thrown into our houses. We all got locked away. All of a sudden, Zoom was a thing. Um, meetings didn't have to be face-to-face -face anymore, but it, it's pulled humanity apart from our basic survival needs, which is human connection, right? And we're mammals, so we thrive on human connection. Um, what I see a lot of in, in many businesses is they don't want to connect with their clients. Well, if you don't want to connect with your clients, close your doors because you don't deserve to have something um, that, that's going to operate. But, but yeah, COVID has, has ripped everyone apart. And what that's done inadvertently is it's created a craving for deeper connection. So people are really wanting to connect with those that they're going to do business with. I find this whole AI stuff really fascinating because to me, that's another example of ripping away the human connection. You know, you can use AI, I guess, to streamline some processes, but if you're using AI to create content, if you're using AI to whatever, um, again, you're moving away from the element of what makes a sale. And that whole know me, like me, trust me, thing that we all hear of all the time in in the world of business um, that's still a manipulated outcome uh, which is what i talk about a lot what we really want to start seeing is people doing business with people that they resonate with so when you're really resonating with another human being that's on a really deep psychological subconscious level that you're not even aware of there's this energetical bond that um, has a really deep level of un unwavering trust because it's already there so I think that the way that um, sales has changed, I think we're moving away from that industrial age of business, which is what I call it, and that's the transactional world. And we're absolutely moving into the new age of business, which is the relationship selling. And that's because it becomes more about collaboration. And here's the thing, you and I are collaborating right now, business to business, right? And we're producing this podcast as a business collaboration. But what business owners have forgotten um, is that they must be collaborating with their clients for the greater good of their client. And that's where the relationship gets really thick and that's where the trust gets really deep and then that's where the magic happens because then you're working with the right people. It's outcome and solution based. It's not money in the bank base. Yeah. I love that, mate. Um, I love the depth in that. There's a really, really powerful answer. I hope everybody's like noted that down or, or listened back to that. And uh, I like the way you said about the um, resonating um, part of it there, that energetic connection, because we hear a lot about building rapport, right? Um, you know, it's important when we first meet someone. I think that's that's still the case, but how do we do it so that 
you know, we resonate with them properly, right? Um, in that there. So I'd love to hear, um, yeah, a little bit more about um, that side of things. Because when we meet someone, we need, to, we need to create that connection, right? We need to um, build that rapport. We need to, you know, resonate with them. So what are some tips that you can give us on, you know, being able to do that, you know, quickly, but still authentically? Mm, yeah, it's a great question. So do, do you know what rapport is? Um, I don't know, being in tune with the other person, maybe, or what do you, what do you, is that? Yeah. Right? So, so rapport is a subconscious connection. Yeah. And it's an instant subconscious connection, right? And you feel completely comfortable with that person. And in many cases, you don't even know why, particularly if you've never met that person. So I'll give you an example. Um, think about the last time, all right, you, you spoke about uh, you're going to a wedding before we got onto this thing on the weekend. And I know what's going to happen um, when you walk into the room and the room's full of people, you're naturally going to be looking around the room and assessing where you want to go, right? And you're going to find one corner of the room with people that you may or may not know. And you'll find another corner of the room with people that you may or may not know. And for whatever reason, at that moment, you choose, I'm not going to go left, but I'm going to go right. And I'm going to go up to this group of people and I'm just going to stand there because for whatever reason, that feels more comfortable. What people don't realize is that is a subconscious rapport that you have with another being because we're energetical creatures and energetically we're connecting. So that's where the whole know me, like me, trust me, that doesn't fit in with that energetical connection. It's man-made, it's manipulated. So how do we get that energetical connection in business? And there's going to be people that you have met that instantly you don't like. And there's going to be people that you have met where instantly you're open to having a conversation with them. I guarantee you the first thing you should do if you come across a person that there's that instant dislike, don't even bother. Because you're going against your intuition. And no matter what you do, you're going to have nothing but problems with that person because there is no connection there. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that you have that connection with someone before you even start. Create It saves a lot of headaches. If that connection's there, what you'll be able to find is that the, uh, the you've got the ability to start asking questions um, and getting real answers to the questions because they're comfortable. And there's certain ways that I teach people with how to how to build instant rapport and how to build subconscious rapport through through my training. Um, back in the day when I did um, NLP, I was an NLP master and I learned how to really connect with people. And in fact, I spent 20 years, really the majority of my training was all about learning how to deeply connect with people. Um, and I think that's the number one reason that I've been successful in, in any type of selling is because I know how to connect and I know who to connect with. And I who not and I know who not to connect with. So the first thing is trust your instinct. Second thing is learn how to master um, subconscious communication with people. And by that we're talking body language, we're talking tonality. So a great example is um, when you started the introduction for the show, you were really excited, your energy was up, your tonality was up, your voice was up. There's no way I could match that. But in order for me to build a, a really deep rapport with you, I have to be with you on your level. So I have to wait for you to come down a little bit before I could come in so that we're on more of an even keel like what we are right now. 
So when we understand these things, then we're having completely different levels of conversation with people. Um, the other thing that salespeople do really bad is that they try, you used the car salesman before as an example, is they try and talk you into selling, uh, into buying. And what I wrote about in my book is that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And in sales, if we use our ears more and our mouth less, then we should be able to make more money and get more sales because we're paying attention to, to what we actually, what we need to do. So when it comes to rapport, it's understanding body language, it's understanding tonality of the voice, and it's understanding the word tracks that people use, because at the end of the day, we've all heard the saying that people love the sound of their own voice. And the reason that we've heard that saying is because that's the only thing that makes a human being more comfortable. So if you want to connect with someone, you must be able to connect with them on their level, not yours. Yeah, I love that. Um, really, really powerful. I hope everyone's noted that. And I've been known to be a bit of a chameleon, right? So even though I start well, I made sure the same thing, right? I'm an NLP master practitioner as well. So I understand um, a lot of this stuff. So, um, you know, if anyone wants to know about NLP, you know, you can reach out, can give you some things on that. There's a lot of depth there. But um, what, you know, Adam shared with us now is that it's, um, you know, some simple things like that can make a big difference um, in um, yeah, making sure that we, we have that connection with people. So I love that, mate. Um, now, you know, you touched on it a little bit there, but, you know, we go to the next phase, right? You, you talked about, you know, two ears, one mouth, um, you know, listen um, twice as much. So, and I know as entrepreneurs, we're, we're really problem solvers, right? We're solving a problem um, in our business. Um, so we need to make sure there's a problem for us to solve. Um, you know, like you said, we're not just selling it for the reason, like why you left the company before, we're going to make sure that, you know, we're solving a problem for them in whatever we're selling them. Um, so how do we uncover this? Because it's, it's not always saying like, you know, what are the problems? But, you know, how can we uncover, I guess, these areas to make sure that there's, you know, there's a want and a need, I guess, um, yeah, in, um, in the process? I think, um, I think you've got to be careful with how quickly you come um, and attack people. So I'll see people that are, that'll straight away say, so, um, Adam, what's the problem? What's your biggest problem? What's your number one problem? What's your top three problems? Like, mate, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because I know you already know what you're going to say to me next. <laughs> yeah. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You've probably heard that saying before. So what I've always found to be beneficial is to take a moment at the beginning to have a vested interest in the human being that you're in front of and ask them some questions because you genuinely want to know the answer in them as a person first. So why would you want to do that? Yeah, like, you know, obviously that it sort of comes down to the rapport side of things, but then that you get that, you know, authentic or the resonating, right? It's like, oh, I get this feeling subconsciously that Ethan really cares. Adam really cares about like, you know, what I'm about. Yeah, because am I going to do business with someone who takes interest in me or am I going to do business with someone who doesn't because one of the one of the number one pet hates for me is being treated like a walking ATM and I see all these people um in uh, and networking events are the most fascinating place because you see it all in front of you right where they're just looking at every single person in the room and thinking 500 bucks, 500 bucks, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks. How much can I get from these people? And are talking to them just to get their wallet. 
um, I've switched off. I won't pay money for anybody that does not take any vested interest in me as a person first. So the number one thing is if you if you get that right and do it with genuine care, don't just ask questions for the sake of asking questions, do it because you genuinely care. And if you don't genuinely care, I can guarantee you we are energetical beings. They will pick up on your energy straight away. And if there's a sniff or a hint of insincerity in how you're behaving, you've lost the deal before you even start. Yeah. Love that, mate. Really, really powerful um, on how we yeah. approach the situation. <laughs> what was the rest of the question? Um, I was talking about um, like how we can... I guess, highlight the problems while making sure that we can actually help them, right? Right. So once we've gotten to the point where we've, we've done a little bit of rapport building, um, we've made them feel comfortable because at the end of the day, if they do not feel comfortable, you're never going to get the right answer. And if you don't get the right answer, you can never solve the right problem. So um, learning how to ask the right questions, and, and the questions can be as simple as, all right, so what's going on what what do we what do we I, i'm here today because of solar okay well why 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 solar what do, what do you what's the thoughts behind that oh we want to save money okay well why do you want to save money well because our energy bills are so high and the cost of living is this and we're just looking at saving money i said okay so is it all about saving money or is it more about what that saving money can be invested into next and where that's going to go and how's that going to make you feel if we can start taking that out of origin energy and putting that into your back pocket for a holiday or an upgrade on your car or whatever it is that, that, that's important? Like you've got to get down to the real what's important to these people and the real deep down motivation for why they might want solar. So for me, solar is just an expense. All right, but it's going to save me money. But how quantifiable is that? I, I actually don't know. It was, it was on our house and we bought the house. I really don't know how much it's saving me. I really don't know whether I'm getting, well, I know I'm getting ripped off with the energetical companies because they're not here to help us. <laughs> but uh, is it making a difference to my life? It's making my electricity bills a bit cheaper. But why do I want that a bit cheaper? Then we can open up a little bit more. So I think um, if we can get down to the real reason that people want something, and there's a difference between want and need. So depending on the service or the products that you're selling, in most cases, you can walk around a shopping center, right? And you look at all the shops in the shopping center and I say, who actually needs half the shit that's here? No one needs it. So what they're trying to do is capitalize on an emotional spend. Yeah. You gotta get away, you gotta get away from capitalizing on that emotional spend and do it for something that creates real value in an outcome to someone else's life. Yeah. <clears throat> Love it, mate. That's uh really powerful. And everyone dissect what you know Adam said there, because he said a few key things in that part that is like really powerful in that moment um, of when you're asking those questions. So that was a lot of gold there. Thanks, Adam. Um and you know, the, so we get to that point, we understand all of those areas, why it's important to them and um, and there and, and you know, the, the next steps for that. So then, it, it, you know, 
towards the end, I guess, of that process, it comes to like the closing, I guess, time, right? Where we need to uh, get them over the line to becoming, you know, getting the sales and, and becoming a client or whatever that is um, for you um, to, you know, need their help. So what tips can you give us? Because I've, I've heard, you know, so many different closing techniques and, you know, things like that over the years. So I'd, I'd like to hear it from your side of things now about what's a, what's a nice way to, you know, get over that, get them over the line. Uh, you're right, mate. I, I, so many different closing techniques, the, the step close, the trial close, the door close, there's <laughs> so many closes that it's crazy. And, and I was a closer and I used to get off on being a closer. Like when I first started or give them to Adam, he'll close them. I thought, oh, okay. Um, and that's what I had to do. I had to close them. Then I realized that closing people means what? Yeah, <clears throat> sort of like, I don't know, putting him into a box or like shutting them off or something like that, right? Yeah, man. A am I being of service to a human being if I'm closing them? Yeah, unlikely, but not by the word. Not at all. So what we need to do is we need to get over our limiting beliefs in asking for the sale. And I mentioned something before about collaborating with our clients. Okay. So when we're doing our presentations to them and, and, you know, the presentations are going to come in so many different ways. You could be sitting down with someone, it could just be a phone call, it could be, uh, I, I don't know, it could be a formal presentation. I want you to understand that if you're collaborating with your client for the greater good of them, and you've got what I shared before with the reasons that they want something, and the benefits that they're going to get from that you've got it all you've got it all there because they've told you what it all is so it's already all out and you've got them to um uh you've you've gotten to a point where you're collaborating on what you believe is going to be the best outcome for them and the difference that outcome is going to make to the reason they want to make the purchase two things will happen if you've done your job right they'll say to you What's the next step? And that is awesome. They'll actually ask you, what's the next step? So many people buy from me instead of me selling to them. The ones that I have to sell to are the ones that have uh, a little bit of fear. And they're the people that like to be led. So if they like to be led, then all you have to say is, how do you feel about what we've just spoken about? I feel great. Is that what you would like? Yeah. Okay. So the next step is, so it's not even a close. All I'm doing is talking to them about what we're going to do next. And they're nodding their heads. So I've got buy-in. Uh, we're collaborating on that outcome. They're feeling good about that. I always check in. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel good. Because if they feel uncomfortable, then chances are I've sold. If they feel good, chances are I've allowed them to buy. And I think when we move around from that transactional business world of selling, which is what no one likes to do and no one likes to have done to them, to the relationship world of allowing people to buy through their own empowerment, then guess what we've eliminated straight away? What's that? refunds 
cancelled orders. Buyer's remorse. Do you know what buyer's remorse is? Yes, I was going to, that was going to be one of my questions that I was going to ask you, saying that you uh, will stop that by the feeling question and making sure they're right with it, right, at that time. Yeah. Buyer's remorse is uh, because they've been um, emotionally juiced up in their mind. Um, so with the brain works in, in, we've got three brains, right? We've got the limbic system, we've got the reptilian brain, and do you know what the other one is? Neocortex. Neocortex. So the way that people are operating in the business world is that they're spending all of their time in the neocortex and the neocortex is where all the rational um, logical analytical decision making process is done in the human beings right so if i see and i've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on learning all the tricks of the book in my career to get better at selling really what i was learning to do is to manipulate the the, uh, the brain to make people think that they're making a logical business decision for them. But what happens after I've made them think that they've made a logical business decision? They go away. And so why don't we just do that? Yeah. Really bad. However, when we understand that it's the limbic system that people are buying because it makes them feel good, then they have bought on something that makes them feel good that they will then go away and rationalize why they're doing it to themselves later knowing that the outcome is going to make them feel good yeah really powerful <laughs> that part um that you said I, I love that that section the way yeah around the feeling inside this is really powerful everyone um what adam's sharing with us here it's um awesome and i guess one other thing that can come up that i know right and you know it depends on the process if you do it really well but maybe as you're getting better right with sales is there could be some objections right that come up with people and um i don't know what about this it might be that the surface level i need to think about it but really it's not that right it's the deeper thing um there so um but you know it could be some fear or something there so what what sort of um can you share around overcoming the objection if it's the right fit right you know as a client um so that you can you know get them as a, as a client if, it, if it's the right um, thing for them yeah so objection handling is everything like i remember mate when we we're back in the day so we'd have all of the objections written down on this huge piece of paper there's like four these are the top 40 objections that you have and these are the top 40 answers that you hit them back with as soon as you get them what to say when the wife says no what to say when you're going to get through the gatekeeper what to say yeah when they, we don't have the budget what just like all the answers if we understand that there's two objections okay the first objection is stop it i don't want it but i don't know how to say no so i'm gonna fill you up with all this bs hoping that you buy that that's the reason that most people don't want to buy anymore because they're sick of being sold to. So in actual fact, um, one of the things that I teach people in, in one of my workshops, um, Athen, is um, when we're looking in the transactional world of business, the industrial age of business is what I call it, I proved this, these stats to be right over multiple years, multiple industries, multiple jobs, didn't matter. It was the same result. You generate 100 leads, 
And this is where marketing companies are misleading people because marketing companies will tell you you need more leads for more sales. That's bullshit. You don't need more leads. You need leads. You need the right leads, but you've got to have the right conversations with these people. So if we're generating 100 leads into our business through um, Google Ads, LinkedIn, networking events, or uh, I don't know, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, um, wherever you're getting your leads from, um, cold calling, mail outs, email campaigns, there's so many different ways to that people are using it to generate lead, right? What they don't understand is that out of that 100 leads, 60% of those people that respond are actually not looking for anything. They're scrollers. Oh, that looks good. I don't even remember doing that the next day, all right? What I find is that when we're having to close sales and when we're having to overcome objections, we're spending the majority of our time trying to convince that 60% to buy. And that's where most of the businesses are hanging out. They're hanging out, pushing, 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 pushing these people over the line. The sales managers, get on the phone calls, make another 12 cold calls today, make it 50 cold calls, make 100 cold calls, just get them, sell, sell, sell. You're talking to the wrong people, okay? Um, when we understand that the first 60% aren't looking for anything, then we have only 40% of the people left that are. And out of that 40%, 3% of those people have done their research, they know what they want, they've already jumped online, they've looked for all the, all the people that are selling the same products and they're just going for the cheapest option. Those people are also not the ones you sell to because that's just the icing on the cake. The universe saying, congratulations, for whatever reason today, here's a bit of reward for showing up. <laughs> so it leaves us now with another 37% um, of the people, 20%. Think they know what they want, right? Our job as a professional salesperson and every single business owner, small business owner, must become a professional salesperson. Our job is to help this 20% through the buyer's journey, through our collaboration together, for them to go down the process of, of getting closer to making a buying decision. And we do that through elimination. It's constantly eliminating stuff, helping them get clearer on what it is that they want through great questions, yeah? Uh, through building the rapport, by deepening that subconscious trust with them um, and making sure that the outcome and the solution that we're providing matches the outcome and the solution that they need or want, yeah? We move into the 17% that are at that point now, but all they're looking for is for us to help reconfirm that they're making the right decision. For me, I'd much rather make an empowered buying decision for me, and I'm always looking at the expert to help me qualify that I'm making the right decision for me. That's the 17%. So if I look at all those, there's no closing in the 20%. There's no closing in the 17% and there's no closing in the 3%. All we're doing is we're working with them through collaboration to get them to a point where they are comfortable making the right choice for them. And then it comes down to the last two questions that we asked before. They'll either say, this is fantastic. How do I get started or what's next? Or we'll say, how do you feel about that? Excellent. Okay. Are you ready to get started now? Yes. 
Is this what you want to buy? Yes. Okay, so the next steps are this. No closing. So when we understand objection handling, there's two types of objections. There's the person that does not want what you want, uh, that you want to sell them. So why are you forcing yourself upon them? And then you've got the other one that does want what you are selling, but what they're actually asking for is the reason that they're not making decision is because of confusion. So our job is to eliminate the confusion through the trial and answer questioning that we have and helping them get to a place where they believe that they have made the right choice for them. Because when they believe they've made the right choice for them, no buyer's remorse, no cancellations, no refunds, and guess what happens next? You have a great client. <laughs> you have a great client. So this is the part that juices me up the most. Do you know how many of your clients are actually focusing on long-term client retention as a strategy? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So, yeah. Right. How many are focusing on long-term client retention as a sales strategy? Because the reality is if you are in a service-based um, environment and even some product-based, um, there's going to be businesses that are just one hit, you're done and, and, and move on. Like my wife is a great example for that. She's a lactation consultant and a baby sleep expert. So the people that come to her may not need ongoing treatment, support, consultation. It might be a quick phone call here or whatever. But um, there's other people like an osteopath that once they get a client, they should be focusing on a model that allows them to keep that client for three years. And the average client retention for anything that has an ongoing service that's associated to it is three years. So if you don't have a three-year client retention rate, then you've got problems with your communication. You've got problems with your processes. You've got problems with your systems. But the key is that long-term client retention is giving you repeat business over and over and over again. It costs a business owner five times as much money to get a new client through the door than it does to service the same client ongoingly. Five times, 500% more money is invested. If we're moving into a recession, which I believe we are, where do you want your money to go? Do you want to be spending 500% more constantly looking for new leads? Or do you want to be investing into the areas that give you long-term client retention where you're building deeper relationships you're getting greater results for them they're repeat buying from you so you've got an ongoing revenue stream and here's the kicker the only time someone is truly prepared to refer to you is if they're prepared to rebuy from you again that's the only time you will get a true referral these guys that are with you for long term will be a raving fan these people are the ones that are going to support your business ongoingly they're going to recommend someone to you. I shared with you the stats before in the traditional business where 100 leads, three sales. In the referral business, which is the relationship business, if you've got 10 leads through referral, if you're not having eight conversations with those 10 people, you've got a problem with your processes and your systems. Eight conversations from 10 leads, right? Compared to... 100 leads, maximum 40 conversations. So you've already multiplied your connection rate straight away. 
if you're not getting at least 50% sale from those, you have a problem with your communication or your service. Should be like at least four sales. You should be pushing for six out of eight because they're coming to you to buy. And the only reason that you should not sell these people is because you actually can't offer them what they're after and you refer them to someone you believe who can. Yeah. So, so your cost, your cost of um, acquisition is reduced by 500%. Your long-term client retention, so you got, your GP is up humongously because you're just getting repeat business. Your next referral lead that comes in is reducing your cost of marketing again, and you've got the same thing with them. And the only difference between the two models is one is all about collaborating with your prospects and the other one is selling to them. Yeah, that's powerful. A lot of gold in that, um, everyone from Adam there and, you know, about the stats and, and how you should be understanding your numbers, like you said at the start. And just one little deeper question on that um, that I think will be valuable. You know, you mentioned at the start as well about people, most people don't follow up, right? Because it's not just always the first time you speak to someone, right? Maybe, you know, they, they need to think about a little bit more and you know, get to a point where then they're in that other 40%, right? That you mentioned um, earlier. So um, if we go a little bit deeper on the systems, is this where we're like, you know, for example, we use a CRM, right? To help us, you know, to then um, put something in place yeah, sure. and move them along? Yeah. CRMs for nurturing, 100%. And there's three three sort of um, uh, leads in your CRM system. You've got someone that's never purchased from you, someone that has purchased from you before, but no longer, and someone who's an active client. So you use your CRM system for constant nurturing. Businesses don't nurture people. I don't think, I don't remember the last time I got an email or an SMS or a card or anyone from my plumber or my electrician or uh, anyone that, well, anyone really. Uh, the only people that send me stuff is the real estate agents because, um, and oh, tip, never send anyone a birthday card. It's the worst possible thing you could do. Send them a card six months before their birthday and just let them know, I'm just checking in and you're thinking about you. How are you? Then they know you care. Otherwise, they know you're just saying, hey, look at me, remember me, give me your business. But really, it's only a, a select few that will even do something. So use your CRM system to build in a nurturing campaign of connection, education, information, not selling. Yeah. Right? Um, that's what that should be for. So even when you're building a funnel system for new prospects, you put them through that education, nurturing, information um, funnel system so that you're building up trust with them every touch point so the average person needs 21 touch points and that's because they're disengaged and for those who don't know what a touch point is it's how many times they have to see you before they're prepared to buy from you and out of those 21 touch points they're then going to require seven interactions with you before they're really ready this is in that transactional world that's 28 times you've got to have communication with people and you've got to find out where they're hanging out on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on email, on LinkedIn, on networking groups or wherever. So you've got to be constantly across all the board to get to them. Um, it's too much. It's because people are so disengaged from being spammed and sold to. But here's the worst part. So let's get into the follow-up that you're talking about. You do all this work. You get yourself out there. You're getting known. They make an inquiry, 
and you don't even respond to it. Oh my God. Like, I can't believe how many people, I've got one right now. I don't mind sharing this. <laughs> uh, I cracked my computer screen. Um, I was doing a sales training workshop and I didn't realize I had my USB thing in there. And I shut the lid and cracked my screen. I thought, bloody hell, gotta, what can we do about this? An IT guy, I've asked him three times now, what can we do? Do I need to replace the screen? He said to me, we might be able to just replace the glass instead of the whole LCD panel. Great, let me know. Haven't heard back from him. I've sent two reminders and the last one was yesterday. Just checking back in, it's been a week. Um, have you not responded because you're too busy? I hope you're okay. Or have you not responded because you can't help me? Just let me know, right? People don't follow up. So what does that do for your reputation if you don't follow up initially? You have killed your brand, completely killed your brand because people will never speak well from someone that doesn't do what they say they're gonna do. And they'll never refer, ever, right? Um, how about when you do a quote? I might be sometimes lucky to get one follow-up call from someone. The average person requires five, three to five follow-ups before they're ready to buy. Three to five. Now that follow-up process starts from the first inquiry to post-presentation. So you get an inquiry, three to five follow-up calls to them before they'll respond. You do a presentation, three to five follow-up calls before you can get an answer. If the answer is no, then what happens? You put them in your nurturing system. If the answer is yes, then we start to go and collaborate. But that could be up to 10 follow-up calls. Yet the average person doesn't follow up at all. In fact, 50% of people don't even do one follow-up. Crazy, isn't it? Those numbers, when you think about it, <laughs> and that's where, that's where a lot of it's made, right? At that time. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Adam. That that was a really powerful segment. I hope everybody um, noted that. Like a lot of gold in what I'm saying. That there's so much low hanging fruit, right, so to speak, um, in our process. That if we get the process right and we do it properly, authentically, um, then you know we can really um, help a lot more people without spending a lot more money, um, at, you know, as part of it. So uh, that's awesome. It's been a very powerful, um, yeah, awesome um, interview made. And as we're wrapping up, I guess one last question I'd like to ask is just what's one key piece of advice? Uh, that you'd like to give all the entrepreneurs uh, watching and listening today? I think the biggest advice I have is that the, the entrepreneurial journey is not always a simple path. And it's, uh, if we look at the ocean every day, the wave line is different. And the waves come in and the waves go out, the waves come in, that's a constant. But the way the waves come in and the waves go out is different and the landscape around that changes all the time. My biggest advice would be um, is to have the courage to just keep showing up despite your current circumstances. And a no today is not a no forever. And every no you get is one step closer to a yes. So you must have that courage and, and um, um, commitment and perseverance to keep showing up because you just don't know what's around the corner. And if you're showing up with a smile on your dial, um then that's even better 
Yeah, awesome. Love that, guys. Uh, really powerful things there. And um, yeah, Adam, we connect through our networks. So I learned about yeah your awesome journey from you know being a broker to a trainer and now a strategic um, sales specialist. You've um, shared a lot of gold, um, you know, about doing authentic sales. Um, you know, you're an awesome guy, and I'm sure you continue to help um, yeah people learn how to think laterally and increase uh, their profits by closing more sales or converting more sales, a better word, authentically. Uh, you know, very grateful um, that we connected and I look forward to working with you. So Adam, how can uh, people find you and get in contact with you? Yeah, thanks, mate. There's a little uh, wrong side QR code. <laughs> um, that'll take you straight into my diary. If you want to book a quick call in, we could have a uh, uh, an obligation-free call, just a bit of a chat to see where you're at and what you're doing. Um, otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn, Adam Bude um you can connect with me there and you can also connect with me on on my website which is um the authentic sales training academy.com uh, and on facebook you can find me there too awesome definitely check out adam Wright. all those different areas yeah if you want to have a chat with him do that and um yeah he shared a lot so um yeah a lot of value to be given there and <laughs> Um, and thank you to everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Aitin Cassiotis or visit my website, aitincassiotis.com. And if you want to grow and scale your business, you can reach out to me on any platform to see if we're a good fit. And I completely agree with you, or do I? The only way we know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows where we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results.